0: Welcome to the Competitive 40K Podcast, brought to you by Vanguard Tactics. It's our mission to help you play, progress, and perform at this incredible game of Warhammer 40K 10th Edition, keeping sportsmanship and fair play at its absolute core. I'm your host, Dave Colmel, a blacksmith who has joined the Crusades after the death of his wife. Fortunately, here to train me in the ways of the Templar Knights is my good friend and 40K mentor. He's the founder of Vanguard Tactics and the noble knight that we all aspire to be like. He's the Sir Godfrey de Ibelin to my Balin de Ibelin, Mr. Steven Box. And today, we are going to just move right along. We are talking about the Black Templars. Uh, We obviously need to extend a huge thank you to Games Workshop for sending us preview copies of all the indexes. Uh, These episodes um, would be coming out much later if not for their trust and confidence in us, so we appreciate Games Workshop very much for giving us all of these preview uh, copies of stuff to look at. Um, Before we get going, though, Steve, how's it going? Yeah, yeah,
1: mate, I'm great. I have no clue what your reference was today. Uh, No clue. But... Um, oh, and
0: it, it's a um, it's a Crusades movie. It's it uh, it's called Kingdom of Heaven. It's a really good movie. Yeah, okay. But it it's it it suited the theme since we're talking Black Templars.
1: Yeah, nice. I like it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sick.
0: So, all right. Um, before we uh, jump in, we got to acknowledge our first sponsor. So, uh, let's hear it from uh, the Outpost.
1: The Competitive Forty K Podcast is proudly supported by the Outpost, your friendly local gaming store with the most helpful and friendliest of staff. After visiting the Outpost I was taken aback by the whole host of products available in store and online. With awesome discounts, gaming tables and a huge range of terrain for different game systems, the Outpost is certainly a great place to hang out and hobby. Check out www.the-outpost.co.uk or go and visit them in store.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Uh, we, uh, don't forget to give us a like, share, subscribe, leave us a five-star review on whatever uh, podcast uh, program you're, or app you're using to listen to us on. Uh, we appreciate you very much. Uh, we have got, Steve and I talked, we've got so much contact. We're just going to steamroll right through these so we can get to all of these. We've got a lot to cover, obviously, with all of the faction indexes that uh, that have been gifted unto us. So uh, today we're going to talk about, uh, like I said, Black Templars. Um Steve, what what should people expect to get out of Black Templars?
1: So for me, the Black Templars have always been your kind of mass marine army, so your foot infantry, um, that really excel in combat. That is their you know real special thing about them, that they should hate psychers, um, and really, they should be kind of, I would say, to some extent, on parallel with like the world eaters in terms of how they fight. You know they're not maybe quite as elite as like the Blood Angels with some of those units like the Sanguinary Guard, Death Company. They've got some cool units, but one of their biggest things is just how many models they can put on the table. And of course with some epic transports, the Land Raider Crusader, uh, which I wish was still only ever um, you know just for them. I think that would be really cool. But the fact that anybody else can take them makes me a little bit sad. But anyway. Um, Black Templars was literally the uh, the first army ever collected um, so they hold a real special place in my heart. This was the the like the kind of army book in which um, I remember it being like third edition I think they were kind of the the poster boys of the game. You got them and Drakari in the box. Um, and I remember collecting these miniatures and like trying to put on Templar transfers back then. I was no good. but anyway, luckily I've got a little bit better at the hobbies you know all these years on. Yeah, I've still got my first ever Empress Champion. He's so little; he is smaller than a Votan model now. Um, and but he's yeah. epic.
0: Yeah, I still have my first one too, and uh, I had actually tried to convert it at one point. I think into a Chaplain for the Dark Angels, just because I love the model. But I was playing Dark Angels back then. But it's such an awesome model, and the the, the Primaris glow up that he got is equally awesome and inappropriate for his stature as one has what should be one of the coolest um, single single target fighters um, in the game. So... Let's hope the Empress Champion rules are epic
1: because they need to be.
0: They should be and we will get to that in a minute. Uh, For now, um, there's no independent army rule for Black Templars. Obviously, they're just using the Oaths of Moment army rule that the Space Marines are using, which um, you've either heard our episode on Space Marines or you saw it on Warcom, Uh, you know, either way. Um, The... But there's a detachment rule called Templar Vows. Yeah, so... Just to clarify, for oath
1: of moment, you will get re-rolls to hit and re-rolls to wound on a target unit that you declare in the command phase, okay? However, you will not get the uh, Galastus, Gladiatus, Task Force, whatever it is. The Space Marines get that as a completely different detachment, so um the only rule you get is oaths of moment and then the next starter rules you get are detachment rules you don't get any of the space marine enhancements you don't get any of the space marine stratagems you've got your own um and by choosing black templars so it's not like in addition you get this it's instead of okay
0: yeah which is frankly i think it's good i it's funny we know we've been talking all about simplified not simple and all that and just in the last couple of weeks um my son decided he's been getting more and more into 40k. He decided he wanted to try out Blood Angels, um, and so we were doing that. And he was looking at he just we set up a game, we're proxying a bunch of models, and he's looking at the the Blood Angel Codex and he's looking at the Space Marine Codex. And there's so many stratagems. He's it's complete information overload. It's it's cranial a lockdown. He has no idea what to choose. So I I I think both from a veteran perspective and a new player perspective and particularly as an opponent perspective, you're not looking at your opponent when they say, Oh, I can reroll this and I get plus this and I get minus to that. And you're like, where? And you're like, Oh, it's somewhere in two of or three of these books. It's so much more streamlined now. So I like the fact that space Marines are not your Templars and the other chapters are not going to get everything in the space Marine codex. Plus it's just, if you're playing Templars, you're getting Templar stuff. That's it. You get Osa awesome moment and whatever's in the Templar book.
1: Yeah, perfect. That, exactly. No, no, I g- agree completely. So Dave, before we actually get into the vowels though, I need to tell you about some restrictions if you're playing a, dr- a Black Templar's Army. You cannot include any Adeptus Astartes psychers. okay? So that means you can't take your Librarians or anything like that, which is very obviously thematic, but I don't see anything here that you couldn't sneak in an Inquisitor if there's any potential ally options. So that still could be on the cards. Um also uh, it does say here you can't take any gladiator lancers, reapers, valiants, impulses, repulsors. Later on when we get to the units, you'll see that a lot of those actually have their own data sheets and they're called Black Templar Gladiator Reapers. Essentially, it's everything you know, but they come with a multi-melter included. So they you get some extra guns if you're a, a, a Black Templar, basically.
0: Got it. Okay. But yes, because it's not black templars unless you've slapped a multi melter on it. Got it. That makes sense.
1: Exactly. Right. You need something to burn the heretics yeah. with, uh, and why not other exactly. than the big old multi melter? Okay. These four vows you pick at the first of the um you know the burst the first battle round, which is really cool because now when you get to the tabletop, you can kind of depending on who you're playing, pick the one that you think is going to give you the most kind of leverage, which is awesome. So the first one is called "Suffer not the unclean to live." Melee weapons, every time you roll a critical hit, which is when you roll a six to hit, uh, will trigger a critical hit, it counts as lethal. Okay, now lethal means that you will automatically wound the target. However, remember that doesn't classify as a six to wound, it just wounds, all right? So it won't trigger any devastating wounds, it will explicitly not do that. Um, then you've got uphold the honor of the emperor. Models in this unit have a fi- of a six plus fill no pain and a leadership of five plus. That is not to be underestimated, by the way, having a you know benefit of a five plus leadership. That just makes these guys very, very stubborn. Um, because you obviously need to roll a five or more on two dice, which is brilliant. Then you've got um a bore the witch, destroy the witch, um, and that is models in this unit have a four plus invulnerable save against psychic attacks and melee weapons. Have the anti four plus ability, and then finally accept any challenge, no matter the odds. Uh, you basically get sustained hits one in combat. So sustained hits every time you roll a critical hit, it will count as an additional hit. Okay. So, Dave, my question to you: Which one of those four, right off the bat, are you leaning towards? Lethal hit, six plus feel no pain, and the better leadership, four plus invulnerable against psychic attacks, and anti four plus or sustained? Which one is your favorite?
0: Uh. I'm I'm a big fan of accept any challenge no matter the odds because, you know, exploding sixes work in almost any situation. But obviously, I wouldn't ever just default pick one in my head because I'm going to have to look at who I'm facing. Okay. It's it's absolutely going to be mission dependent or opponent dependent rather.
1: Okay. So later on, when we get to like the combos and things, I've got, I actually think you do pick one and have one in mind.
0: And you're going to say the lethal hits?
1: And I can convince, hopefully, Dave, I can convince you otherwise that maybe going into a game with a game plan is probably a good change. The only one I think is a curveball is the Destroy the Witch, the Anti-Psycho 4+, plus, because units such as like Bellacor all of a sudden becomes a lot easier to wound when you're wounding Bellacor and, you know, right. some, some other big old uh, Zinch characters on a 4+. plus. So if it may be against nids and they've got loads of monsters that have the psychic keyword, maybe that's when you start looking at those types of abilities. But for me, um, I'll hopefully by the end you'll know which one I like the most.
0: All right. I think it's also, um, feel no pain, a 6-up feel no pain has never been that persuasive to me, but I think the uphold the honor of the emperor is going to be something that I don't have enough understanding of how often battle shock is going to be a thing. It seems like battle shock is going to be fairly prevalent, but it, you know that's that's going to be i think um that one i'm kind of ho- i'm reserving my opinion on until i've i've had a little a few more you know or, or any games of 10
1: yeah there's a lot of abilities in the game that force you to take a battle shock check out of sequence um and then all of a sudden if you fail that then your oc your objective control could become zero it means you're not going to use any stratagems so it can be really impactful so i actually think yeah um being able to get around that with that five plus is really strong. It's a really strong ability. So what are we covering next?
0: Uh, well next we, we need to just take a real quick pause and, uh, hear from our, our second sponsor of the day, ColorForge.
1: The competitive 4k podcast is supported by ColorForge. I found ColorForge 18 months ago and I was blown away by the quality of the product. I've always had an incredible finish, not too thick, not too chalky, and have always had the perfect coverage in all kinds of weather conditions. The cans are around 25% larger and cheaper than most other brands on the market. All of the colors are matched to citadel base colors, so it makes that transition from rattle can to paints absolutely seamless. Check out www.thecolorforge.com to pick up your sprays today, along with a whole host of other awesome hobby products.
0: All right, we are back. Uh, And just a quick reminder, everybody, don't forget that the password for this month um, for the... uh, competitive 40k uh, community facebook page is drago d-r-a-i-g-o but don't worry i won't spell check you just get it phonetically right and uh, i'll we'll let you in but make sure you answer all four of those questions all right so back to talking about black templars do you want to talk about the enhancements next i think we need to go over the units first Uh, that's a good call yeah let's talk about it we'll we'll come back to that
1: yeah because these are the remember the the enhancements and the stratagems are the sweeteners on top but let we got to we got to get those foundations in mate and it starts for me with the characters.
0: Yep. All right, so number 1 is is looks like Har- High Marshal Helbrecht.
1: What an absolute beast he is, okay? So um this guy uh, for me is an auto include, okay? Is absolutely really? phenomenal. Yeah, I I mean, his his melee profile has got two types. He's got 12 attacks or 6 attacks. His 6 attacks profile, I love it's Hitting on a two strength eight minus three throughout three damage. I mean, what's not to like about that? True. Now, he can join Assault Intercessors, Intercessors, Primaris, Crusader Squads, or Sword Brethren. For me, I think he goes in the Primaris Sword Squad, uh, Primaris Crusader Sword Squad, and I'll come on to why later. But you add this is what he does while he's leading a unit, he gives plus one strength to all melee weapons equipped in that unit. Okay. And each time. Um, a successful hit of a five plus triggers a critical hit okay so earlier when you mentioned about your sustained hits val um now if you yeah. roll a five you're going to get an exploding hit all right very really nice. good really good yeah um and then he's also a high marshal basically he, he can do some mortal wounds in combat as well at the start of the fight phase what's not to like about a few extra mortals all right
0: hey i'm i'm a huge fan of my uh Votan champion charging in and doing some mortals. So yeah, if you can do it at the start of every fight phase, regardless of whether or not you charged, that should never be, a, especially if you roll a six and get, do D three plus three mortal wounds. That's legit. That's so, good. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really good. So
1: we've got him. Okay. Then if we go down to Grimaldus next, okay. Uh, now remember, you can still take other chaplains and captains and lieutenants and all that kind of stuff in the space Marine book. But I think for me, these are auto include. So This guy, Grimaldus, he's also an auto-include as well. Um, He's got a Crozius. That's slightly better than most others. It's strength six, minus two, two damage. Um, But he gives full rerolls to hit, baby. Um, So whatever unit he's joined, get full rerolls to hit. Now, this is amazing when obviously you're combining that, when you're fishing for sixes, when you're looking for those critical hit rolls to either get sustained hits or lethal hits. I think he's really, really strong. And he also gets another ability as well. In the command phase, you pick one of the three relics. Okay. So you can either, uh, you can either, you ready? Advance in charge (laughs) or fall back in charge. Yeah. Brilliant. You can have a five plus no pain ability, or you can improve the AP by your melee weapons by one.
0: That's a lot of really usable flexibility. This affects the whole unit, not just him. Yeah.
1: Whole unit ability. So good.
0: Yeah. And what what units can he lead?
1: Similar to um the boy Hellbrecht, Assault Incessors, Inferno Squads. I don't know why you'd ever put it in there. An Intercessor Squad. Again, yeah. not sure why. Uh, he cannot join the Sword oh he's sorry, he can join Sword Brethren and he can also join Crusader Squads. Now the Sword Brethren, just for your a little bit of an FYI, they are kind of those really cool knights that you see. They're they're kind of like blade guard equivalent but without the swords. But we're gonna come onto those shortly.
0: All right. And remind me again, can you have more than one character lead a squad? No, right?
1: These two. So the first one, um, Helbrecht. Okay. So he's called uh, High Marshal Helbrecht. He's essentially a, I suppose, like an equivalent of a um, chapter master. Uh, And Grimaldus is a chaplain. Okay. But for now, these cannot join the same unit. Okay.
0: I didn't think so, but I, I couldn't remember.
1: Okay, so next up, you've got the Empress Champion, Sigismund he Sigismund Reincarnated. Um, yep. Now, I'll be honest, slightly disappointed with the Empress Champion. Oh. Yeah. Unfortunate. Yeah. He's got a, an ability called Skillful Parry. So once per phase, when a melee attack is allocated to this model, you can change the damage to zero. But obviously, that only is going to work when the unit he's following or leading is dead. Right. And if your opponent's silly enough to charge him in combat.
0: Right. Which was a bad idea because his black sword is almost on par with, um, our Marshall Hellbrick sword. Um,
1: It's literally the same.
0: His, his sweet profile is, uh, his sweet profile uh, has two less attacks and one less AP. Yeah. But other than that, it's the same weapon. So Yeah. yeah, charging him in melee, not a, not a strong life choice.
1: There is one distinct difference. Uh, he's got the Black Sword. His Strike ability has the Precision keyword, which does allow him... Oh, it does. If he can go into a, a unit with a character, he'll be able to put all of his attacks on that character. Um, and when he does so, he gets plus one to the Wound roll. So he's basically Strength 8 with plus one to Wound. I mean, he's good. Like, eight Strength 8, AP 3, flat 3 damage. It's good.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's good. He's, he's not quite High Marshal Hellbrook, but he's legit. Yeah, and then he's got the Sigismund's air ability. What's that?
1: The plus one to wound against characters.
0: Ah, okay. Yeah. So that, yeah. So all of that combined is, yeah. He's he's your character assassinator, which he's supposed to be.
1: Yeah, he can go with Primera Sword Brethren. He can go with Crusaders. Uh, he can't go with Blade Guard, unfortunately, because if I probably could, I'd put him in a unit Blade Guard to keep him nice and safe, just so I got lots of turns of combat out of him. Um, but interestingly, yeah. he can join Stern Guard Veterans.
0: Is this something you want to do, though? Because stern guards are a little more shooty than melee, as I recall.
1: Yeah, I think the thing is with the stern guard, you want to get them within rapid fire range of that 12 inches. So typically, then, your opponent's charging them regardless, right? Right. So I think for me, I would run an aggressive stern guard veteran unit. Now, they do get a lot of okay. attacks in combat, like about, I think it's like four attacks each. So for me, I yes. would actually be very tempted to put him here in a unit of Stern Guard. I think Stern Guard are very good because for me, what I would do is I'd Oath of Moment the target unit, okay? Okay. Or have, I mean, we're getting onto combos here, but um, I'd Oath of Moment the target unit, reroll my hits, reroll my wounds, um, and then follow up if there was anything left with this guy. So the unit then charges in as well. So so more just volume of attacks from the Stern Guard. Um and this guy's an infantry blender. So I think, yeah, you could soften up. Let's say you've, you, I don't know, you've got your targets like five Terminators and a librarian captain or, or or like a Terminator captain. Right. You soften them up with the combi melters to get those um, lethal, sorry, those devastating hits off. And then yeah. with the combi weapons, and then you send him in to just kill the character. That's yeah. that's what I would be thinking. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: But it does depend on his cost. All right, cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we gotta, we gotta we'll we'll have to talk about points at some other time. The um, Castellan.
1: Yeah, this guy's an auto take, and why? He's basically your lieutenant. Okay, he's basically okay. your lieutenant. Now, the thing about him is that he gives your unit lethal hits, whether it's melee or shooting. Okay. So this means then. You don't really need your oath to give you lethal hits because you can already take it through the castellan.
0: All right. Yeah, okay, that makes sense.
1: He's also got a combi weapon, devastating wounds. He's got a mastercraft crafter, power sword, strength five, minus two, two damage, and he allows you to shoot and declare a charge in a turn you fell back. So this unit's not getting pinned in combat. So he can also join other units that one captain or chapter master has already been assigned to. Okay. Um now the only th- the only question is is whether you can join him to Helbrecht okay because Helbrecht is a high marshal but he doesn't have the um chapter master keyword that's the only thing i'm a little bit kind of unsure of because also the marshal which is the next character that comes down um he also he's basically your captain and they're called a marshal But for some reason, you wouldn't be able to put a Castellan in the same unit as a Marshal. Rules is written. I hope that is uh, FAQ'd in the future so it works. Because you're basically your chapter master is um, Helbrecht and your captains are Marshals. So, yeah, it's a little bit weird at the moment. But, um, yeah, when it, well, hopefully that will get FAQ'd to the point where we can actually start putting Castellans in some of our units with Helbrecht or a a Marshal. You won't, though, be able to put him in the same unit as Grimaldus, because Grimaldus is a is a um, is a chaplain. Okay, it's just a bit weird. This just doesn't really work very well at the moment because the rules is written.
0: Yeah, yeah. The the which which leaders go into which squads is going to be a little bit of that's going to that's going to give you a lot. it's going to be an extra level of decision making in your list building.
1: Yeah, basically the marshal needs the, You know, it'd be great to see him have the captain keyword um, and hell broke to have the chapter master one. Uh, but anyway, yeah. so hopefully yeah. we'll, we'll see that uh, in the future. Um, okay, so next up, we've then got um, the Marshal himself. The Marshal is, like I said, your captain, so he can you know, pick a unit to have a free stratagem, which is amazing. And, and already, if you've already used that stratagem in that same phase, um, and once a battle at the start of this fight phase, basically, you can have three extra attacks and you have devastating wounds. Now, this is the one time you probably don't want this combined with your lethal hits because obviously then every time you roll a six to hit, you're denying yourself the opportunity to get a devastating wound, but this would be amazing right. with sustained hits.
0: Yes. Yeah. So if you're going to use this martial, then when you're, pick, you're going to, when you're picking your Templar Vows, you're probably going to veer towards the sustained hits and not the, uh, lethal. Not the lethal hits.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then we're onto the unit. So you've got the Primaris Crusader squads. Okay, so these are brilliant. You know, you get different assortment of weapons. Um, and what I love about these is you can basically take a unit of twenty marines, Dave. Twenty marines.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a that's a lot of uh, there's a lot of wounds your opponent's going to have to chew through. Yeah, they've all got
1: the rule, which means you can re-roll the advance and charge rolls for this unit as well, which is brilliant.
0: Yeah. Oh, and I see they've also got the scout six inch um, rule too.
1: Yes. Incredible. So, Absolutely incredible. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's awesome.
1: Yep. Yeah. All right. And then you've got um, the regular Crusader squads. Um, again, you can take these in massive units of 20 as well. These are like your firstborn. They've got loads of different weapon options. They don't get the scout though.
0: No, they don't. Bit of a shame. They, they can still re-roll their advance and charge rolls, but no, no uh, scout roll. Yeah. So, all right. Interesting.
1: I think you just take the Primaris ones unless yeah. the points are significantly cheaper because it'd have to be by not losing on that scout move, right?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That scout move is going to be huge. Being able to, to do a, a first turn, jump onto an objective or, or dive into cover or something. Yeah. Yeah. Pre-game. Yeah. So
1: Primaris Sword Brethren, this is for me, the standout unit in this book. I think it's exceptional. This is your blade guard equivalent. You can take up to units of 10 of them. Sorry up to 11 because you can have a Castellan plus then four to 10 Primera Sword Brothers. Um, you can have a range of different weapons, but you can only take one combi melt, only one combi weapon though. Um, and I think you can take a Thunder Hammer as well in the list. But they've got an incredible rule. At the start of the fight phase, you select one of the following effects to affect the unit. You can have plus one attack or you can have plus one damage.
0: That, I, anytime there's any kind of flexibility like that, I, I, I think it's great. Plus one attack, if you're dealing with something more horde-like, and plus-one damage if you're dealing with something a bit more elite. I, that's fantastic.
1: Now, you use the Mastercrafted Power Sword. It's four attacks, so it could be five. Hitting on twos, and obviously you're having Grimaldus with this squad, so you're ha- basically hitting on twos with four rerolls to hit. Strength five, minus two, two damage. Or it could be minus two, three damage. And remember, yeah. Grimaldus could, Grimaldus could give you plus-one AP on this as well, so it could be strength five, minus three, flat three damage. Yeah. Strong.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Very strong. That's yeah. real good. Like when you're going up against now, is, like,
1: go on, what are you going to say?
0: Uh, I was going to say, is there, is there a rule, and maybe I missed it, that um, you can't take primary Sword Brethren and Bladeguard in the same list? No,
1: nope, you can take both. Sweet. Okay. But all those characters we mentioned earlier, like Helbrecht and Grimaldus and the champion, they can't join Bladeguard. guard.
0: Right, yeah, you couldn't stick any Black Templars characters in them, but if you wanted to throw out a couple small squads of of uh, blade guard, you could do that too. If you, just, if you just wanted to go for a certain sword and shield theme,
1: yep. Or so. you could just take a captain with a shield and make him like your blade guard captain. You could also take like yeah. a blade guard equivalent lieutenant, or you could put a Judasir in as well. And remember, Judasir gives you the fight first keyword, meaning that. You yeah. have to shoot. Then you just have to shoot the blade guard. You cannot charge them because they'll fight before you, and they will absolutely tear your face off. So um, I think you know six blade guard and a judasor could be a strong, cheeky little combo as well. Yeah,
0: nice, very cool. I also think it's interesting that uh, the chain swords are, for at least for the for the sword brethren, the, the chain swords are only hitting on threes. They get one extra attack, but they're only hitting on threes. Yeah, whereas the of power weapons are all hitting on twos. That just scream, just take the power weapon. just take the power weapon
1: but, yeah, exactly. and I think it's because that's primarily the kit you get in the box.
0: yeah, makes sense,
1: yeah, um, but it's not stopping people if they have other things now, for me, I just you know there's all the other vehicles here. I just want to give a shout out to the redemptor because obviously, you know, why wouldn't you take one um you know, I think with its transport its transport capacity. Um, the fact that you've got the two massive flamers on there, they just look absolutely cool as hell. So um, yeah, I definitely think loading up some guys and some cru- Land Raider Crusaders is certainly the way forward. But yeah, that that's pretty much an overview of majority of the units in the Black Templars book.
0: Yeah, everything else is just all those tanks that we mentioned, the Gladiator tanks and um, the other well, quote-unquote Primaris tanks, um, which don't have the Primaris keyword anymore, which is nice. These And these all, like you said, just have somewhere in their data sheet they have an extra multi-melter yeah because black templars yep um cool yeah no i think i think that it's that the 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 black templars are going to be real uh on they're they're stuck to their brand for sure yeah so uh you want to go back and talk uh enhancements or stratagems next
1: let's do it yeah let's talk about some of the enhancements okay that again there's four as okay. usual now, what I really like about these, they are all themed based on the vow that you took. So you basically get an ability for yourself, okay? And if you took that vow, you get another ability. So remember, if you were to take four of these, that if you were to take, let's say, three of these four enhancements, you're only ever going to get the second ability once, right? Because obviously the other two are not going to be in use because it's not active for your army, and that's a really important distinction. The vow has to be active for your army. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the first one, um, it's called Perdition's Edge. Um, you basically get plus one strength and plus one AP on your melee weapons, and if you've gone for the um, you know lethal, the lethal hits variation you get plus one attack as well, which is okay, but that's only on the bearer. All right. The next one is Witch Seeker Bulks. The range weapons have precision and anti-psycho four plus and devastating wounds. Okay. Well, that's not bad. Um, You know, that's okay. Now, most of you guys are rocking around with a combi weapon anyway. Um, You'd want a really good high damage gun to actually make this relevant. And then, if the, you know, a ball, the witch vow is taken, then each time your unit, each time the bearer makes a ranged attack that, that targets psychers, you can reroll the hit and the wound roll. Okay. Well, that's kind of good, but it's only going to affect him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of how the precision and the anti Psyker and devastating wounds. Yeah. You you definitely, like you said, want that might be good if you're maybe rolling. Well, it's only a, the bearers. See, it's, it's all, yeah, it's all only on the bearer. So. It's okay, but I mean, maybe if you're just for the one character if you know you're gonna be dealing with something psych-y.
1: yeah, exactly, um, All but right. it's you know it's situational, it's one of those, yeah. like if it's cheap, sure what, and you had some points left, sure, put it on a guy with a decent damage output on his weapon, maybe, um yeah, something like that could be okay, so next up, Sigismund's Sigismund's seal, okay, improve the attack's characteristic by one. And then this is the one. There, basically, you get, you've gone for exploding sixes. So if if you've gone for that for your army for for sustained hits, then your unit gets critical hits on five pluses. So a little bit like what Oof. happened with the um, you know. So now you could have a unit. So let's say you've put this on a high marshal, and he's leading a unit. Um, or let no, actually I think rules is written. Let's go with a captain. Go with the captain, put this on a captain. So then he's now going to trigger the a five plus is going to give you a critical hit, which means you'll get exploding sustained hits on a five and a six. Then if you yep. put in a lieutenant or a Castellan in the unit as well, which also gives you lethals, that means every five and six is also giving you lethal hits in addition to sustained hits on fives and sixes.
0: Yeah. And you put that on a squad, uh, on somebody who's going to be leading a squad of a, te- a 10 or 11 man squad of sword brethren and give them their plus one attack. Um, uh, what'd you call it? Um, vow. Their plus one attack vow. You're going to be putting out a just stupid amount of damage.
1: Oh, the sword brethren.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And if that- they do that, their their vow sworn
1: power yeah.
0: that gives them the plus one attack. Yeah. And you've got you, every guys putting out. Five attacks. Yeah. And you're exploiting fives and sixes. Woo! I yep. like it.
1: Yep. So you could put the Castellan, hopefully, like we said, it just needs a little bit of an FAQ on that so that a Castellan and a Marshal could go together um, in those Sword Brethren units. So, yeah, that would be pretty cool. Because I'm not sure if you can join a captain to Sword. So, just a regular Crusader squad. Let me just quickly check. If a character from your army can lead... Okay, yeah, so Crusader... Your Primaris Crusader squads have the same sort of keyword as intercessors. So anybody that could join an intercessor squad can also be attached to a Primaris Crusader squad. So yeah, a normal captain and a normal lieutenant to do this whole combo could... That could work on a unit of those 20 guys, but they cannot join Sword Brethren, okay? Okay. Um, but hopefully the Marshal... And Castellan thing will get uh, tweaked because um, I think that's that's probably what should have happened with those because that's the type of effective roles they take. So next up, we've got the yeah. Tanhauser's Bones. How do you pronounce that?
0: Yeah, Tanhazer.
1: Yeah. OK, we'll go with that then. Yeah. I love this one. Uh, each time an attack is allocated to bearer half the damage. OK, that's cool. But this is what I love. While you're leading a unit, if uphold the honor of the Emperor Val is active for your army, models in that unit have a five plus feel no pain ability. So uh, this is the, the one which is triggered on a six plus feel no pain. It now gets boosted to a five up. Remember Grimaldus also gives a unit five plus as well. So you could essentially have two units with a five plus feel no pain.
0: Okay. And if you're rocking a, a couple of really big Crusader squads, that's going to give you a lot of durability. It's gonna, you're going to get a lot, of, a lot of value out of your investment there.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that's really what I like okay. the most. So um, I think definitely I would have Sigurdsson Seal and Tanhouser's Bones both in my list if I if I've got the points for it.
0: Yeah, makes sense. Okay. Uh, oh, is the uh, I didn't I didn't notice. I'm gonna scroll back down real quick. The Emperor's Champion is not an epic hero. Oh, he is an epic hero. He does have the epic hero keyword. So you're not giving him any. He's not getting any enhancements. Who's this? Sorry the uh, emperor's champion.
1: Yeah. Can you take one? So only one emperor's champion.
0: Yep. So no so no so there, yeah there's only the one but uh but if they have the epic hero that also means they can't get enhancements, correct? Correct, yeah. Yeah, okay. They're enhanced um, cuz I was just trying to think of I was yeah, I was good. I was just thinking that it would be really cool if you put the uh Perdition's edge on an emperor's champion just to make him really silly.
2: Yeah.
0: Um yeah. But okay, but that's a no no. All right. Uh, so let's talk uh, stratagems. Yep.
1: So the first one is fantastic. It's one CP, uh, fervent acclamation. Basically, one one of, obviously, you know, one character unit from your army. All right. Uh, when you select a vow that is not active for your army until the start of your next command phase, and this, you, you have to pick this in the command phase, though. This is like a, you can't just do this reactively. It's a command phase ability. Um, and do get that right and make sure when you play against people, Make sure they do that too. And while the character is leading the unit, so if the unit dies and he's by himself, it's no longer going to work. Models in that unit gain the benefits of that vow in addition to the vow selected to be active for your army. So if you want a cheeky little sprinkle of six plus feel no pain for the turn, cool, you could have it. If you want a sprinkle of sustained hits, fine, you could do that. If you know you've got to go and put this guy into killing Bellacore, cool, get the anti, you know. The anti psycho ability. I think it's really clutch yeah. and I think it's what you need. So I, I love that. Okay. Okay.
0: And the next one is no escape.
1: Yeah. Opponent's movement phase. Um, once space excluding vehicles, monsters is selected to fall back, one of your units that's not the engagement range, you roll a d6, adding one to the result if accept any challenge, no matter your odds, is active for your army. On a four plus, they cannot fall back. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. So uh and must remain stationary. Otherwise, the unit can fall back, but you still make them make a desperate breakout test, which means they'll be rolling ones and twos and potentially dying. So I think it's really good.
0: Yeah. We're really pun- punishing your opponent for trying to run away.
1: Yeah. And if you if you've gone All for right. that sustained hits uh value like, then it's on a three plus, which is really good. Okay. Yeah. So this is in your opponent's shooting phase. One adept starts to use it. Had one or more models destroyed, you can make a normal move up to D6, but it must end that movement closer to the enemy unit. If a Boar the witch, uh, you just move six inches instead, but must move its ender closer to the enemy that just shot or the closest enemy psyker. So a little bit like the Black Templar, uh, uh, sorry, the World Eaters, Berserkers, which can currently in Ninth Edition move bloodlust at you. Yeah. So it's kind of equivalent to that. It's kind of cool.
0: Okay. And for one CP, you know, Hey, you just shot at me. I want to, you know, I'm going to take this opportunity to move a little closer to that objective or maybe, you know, get one model onto an objective or something.
1: Yeah. Sounds good to me. Or just close that gap a little bit. Now it does make, say a normal move. So that will mean you cannot end an engagement range though.
0: Right. But theoretically you could do that in the shooting phase. And then in the, Ensuing phases, you could heroically intervene,
1: correct, right yeah. correct, yeah
0: all right nice, all right, cool. uh moving on uh a, an oldie, but a goodie, armor of contempt,
1: yeah, so opponent shooting or fight phase, one of your units, um yeah, basically worse than the a p by one
0: yeah, but it's just one unit now, not the entire army, so yeah, uh, and much more. I think it's a good I think that's a really good ability to have, and I think it's perfectly suited to be a strat yeah. You know, having army-wide armor of contempt, as we all learned in in the latter days of of ninth edition, was sometimes unwieldy, but doing it as a single effect, single phase stratagem, I think that's that's solid. Yeah. I don't think you and I ever had a conversation about your overall feelings about armor of contempt when it was army-wide for Space Marines. Uh,
1: Well, I didn't mind it at the time. I was playing Blood Angels. But to be fair, it was the (laughs) reason why I was playing Blood Angels, so... Yeah, I didn't right, mind. So that I sort didn't,
0: of answers that question.
1: <laughs> I didn't mind armor contempt. I wasn't massively against it. But I know yeah. some it did really skew some matchups to be really difficult. Um but it did actually for the first time ever make Sanguinary Guard feel like how they should in terms of durability. Yeah. So that was yeah. cool. Because they don't get an invulnerable All save. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so next one is Crusader's Wrath in the fight phase. Uh, one unit that has not been selected to fight until the end of that phase. Basically, improve the AP by one. Um, and if you've gone for Suffer Not the Clean uh, vow, then you get plus one strength as well. So, do you see? What I mean, I love how this army works. It's like get an ability, and if it's your vow, you get a second ability as well. But that does mean, yes, it seems like a really powerful stratagem, but then the other stratagems are less powerful. So there's kind of a, a cost associated to it. And I really like this because then a player really has to think about the vows that they're taking at the start of the game, not only for their uh, you know army, but also then the enhancements and then also the stratagem. So I think it also, all of a sudden those decision trees really get quite complex.
0: Yeah. This is going to be one of, that's one of those things where you're going to be, you're going to need reps. If you're playing Black Templars, you're going to need reps with the army and your list. So you are, already kind of knowing, all right, this is the one strat where I'm going to get double value or this is where this little combo is where I get real double value if I choose this vow.
1: Yeah. So. Exactly.
0: And the last one is Vicious Repost.
1: Yeah, that's it. Yeah, sorry, I was on the wrong page. Uh, Fight phase, um, basically, uh, until the end of that phase when you're modeling your unit is destroyed. If it's not four, adding, uh, you know, plus one to, if you've gone for Uphold the Emperor, or honor the emperor, which is that five plus or six or six plus feel no pain. Then on a four plus, you're going to be fighting on death. So that's brilliant. And you get, you'll be doing it on threes if you've gone for uphold the honor, of the emperor vow. Yeah.
0: All right. Brilliant. Cool. Super strong. And those are your six strats. Yeah. So, um, so, so summarize for, for me and for, for our, uh, our listeners, What's, what, how do you see the overall play style? I know you had sort of mentioned earlier on that they're very infantry heavy, but what's, how would you, how would you encapsulate the overall play style for Templars?
1: Yeah, I think it's an army in which is going to really swarm the board with, the of mountain the models that it has. And when it does so, it's going to have great board presence. Um, I think with how easy it is to get the benefits of cover with, you know, a three plus save on the majority of your models. Um, and we're, you know, then starting to push units to have a five plus feel no pain, I think, which is gonna be quite reliable on two units, consistently with enhancements in Grimaldus, um, and then with obviously some very durable transports, the army's gonna have fantastic board pressure. So if you really are looking to, you know, swarm the objectives in those Crusader squads are OC two. So if you've got twenty man units, that's O C forty before you start taking any casualties and before any characters, so I think their their overall ability to defend objectives is going to be great. I think their ability to deny your opponent um, and really uh, kind of sabotage objectives, um, which is what we call basically in the academy, killing people off objectives, sabotaging is going to be great with this army. Um, And then those little flex things like the odd advance in charge. Uh, fall back in charge from different characters. It just means this army's never getting bogged down in combat and can always keep fighting, which I think is brilliant. This army's going to be relentless to play against in combat, and I think that's exactly how they should feel and feel. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be awesome.
0: Very cool. All right. So, like you said, I, you know, my my next question was going to be, how does it score the primary? Obviously, it's going to score the primary by swarming the field. Yeah. Do you think that this is a, a an army that's going to want? Vehicular or dreadnought support, or is it? You think it's just better off just to lean entirely into just go infantry all day every day?
1: I I do. I that's exactly what I would do. I'd be taking um you know a huge amount of infantry base, and then potentially, you know, a land raider filled with um a sword brethren squad, and then also grimaldus as well. So I'd probably take some sword brethren squads in land raiders, and then as many infantry as I possibly could. So. And then relying on kind of oath of moment to do the heavy lifting for me if I took any anti tank guns. But um, for that, reroll hits and wounds, and then drowning just everything else on the table in volume of attacks. So, yeah, I think for me, yeah, I'm, I'm taking a lot of infantry and then maybe some anti tank guns, but not too much.
0: Okay. All right. And then what about secondaries? Is this, uh, is it, this doesn't seem like a behind enemy lines faction to me.
1: No, I mean, you've got the Scout Six. Which, you know, all of a sudden starts to look quite good um, because turn yeah. one, you're then 12 inches up the table, you're halfway there. Um, if you advance, then, you know, you could be getting and re rolling your advance rolls. You could be looking at fours or fives or sixes with those advance rolls. That's not bad. So turn two, you're definitely making charges. So if you were to play a slower game for behind enemy lines and try and get it from turn two onwards, yeah, I think you could definitely do that. Um, you've got the potential here with. Decent killing characters to you know start sniping those out using the epic challenge stratagem in the core rules to get um you know get rid of those extra characters from your opponent. So I think you could definitely take assassinate. Um, I think with the ability of lethal hits, yeah, bring it down is going to be also a good option. So I think it's got potential. I don't know how well it would play at the tactical objectives where you've got to draw randomly, but I think fixed secondaries. This army is going to play well.
0: Okay. All right, cool. Uh, so let's talk strengths and weaknesses. I mean, obviously the strengths are going to be melee combat in particular. Yeah. Um, and and some and some strength is somewhat of the movement with that scout six inch move, and um, you're not really standing back trying to get the most out of heavy weapons for the most part. So, uh, what other strengths are there for this faction?
1: I think any horde matchups going to work really well for the uh, Black Templars. Um, I think that's going to be great. I think it will do okay. Um, into light vehicle builds but i think into really heavy inf- really heavy vehicle builds it could struggle a little bit uh because even the volume of attacks might not be enough so i do think that's where it's going to start to struggle but yeah definitely strengths horde anti horde army uh anti board presence army this army's got a lot of it so i think that's really where it's going to ex- you know excel both in damage output and also scoring primary
0: okay and what are some opportunities and threats to, for for black templars opportunities
1: and threats. I think threats, um, it's hard really, because if you've got two units with a five plus Phil no Pain, actually Devastating Wounds doesn't look that bad either. Um, but it doesn't have a huge amount of invulnerable saves in the list. So I think anything with a high AP is going to cause you a lot of problems. So as soon as you know units are touching the AP2, AP3, you know, two to three damage, then, you know, you're all of a sudden going to start to just start to melt, I think. Really, um, so yeah, high volume of attacks, but it, that AP two mark, strength five AP two two damage is going to tear through this army very, very quickly. I think, yeah. So anything around there, whether it's shooting or combat, that's the profile you want to be worried about. I think.
0: Okay. All right. Um, and then uh, what? So what is a, a you know just a rough sketch of a list for Black Templars look like to you?
1: Oh. This is difficult. Um, I'm thinking um, a large twenty brick crusaders. Um, I'm taking that with basically um, somebody that can take the five plus feel no pain. The bones, Tallahassee bones. Um, I'm probably going to take a captain, a uh, sorry, a captain or marshal and Castellan slash lieutenant in one of those crusader squads. So that gives me the option then for a five plus feel no pain free stratagems as well, so then I can potentially use Armor of Contempt for free on that unit, uh, for free. Um, and then I'm going to take Helbrecht with another 20, so I could always use Armor of Contempt first of all there. Um, Note There'll be a six plus no Pain in that unit if I'm taking that vowel. Um, so I spend one CP there, the other unit can do it for free with a five plus no Pain. I'll then probably take Grimaldus and probably a full 10 Or, max squad, I possibly can in a Redeemer Dreadnought, a Redeemer, not Redeemer, Redeemer uh, Land Raider. Okay. Uh, So, that's kind Mm -hmm. of my three big bricks. So, Crusader squad, two of those. And then, for a little bit of flex, it could be a unit of Devastators with Grav Cannons with an Emperor's Champion in in a Razorback. So, then I get my full rerolls to wound with the Grav Cannons. Um, Whatever, you know, I can pick a target, they shoot. And then, if there's some infant, like light infantry nearby, uh, Empress champion can just go in or like we said with stern guard. Oh no, sorry. He wouldn't be able to do that. He can only join stern guard. So completely ignore me, but I still like the razorback idea for just that little bit of anti, um, anti vehicle in a razorback. And then if I've got points, another razorback with the stern guard and him in it. So that's kind of what I'd be thinking.
0: All right, cool. Yeah. Uh, so any, uh, any thoughts on deployment, just as far forward as possible, just, Because you want to get to melee as fast as possible?
1: Yeah, I think you just want to ensure that all of your 3-up save guys are in cover. uh, Because then you can... um, Actually, no, depending on your opponent, if your opponent's got AP 0, I would make sure that all the scout variations with the 4-up save are in cover. Because then they'll have a 3-up save, and then I'm only losing scouts. Because Space Marines against... Because they're already on a 3-up. Because they... Wouldn't get any benefit against AP0, so it really depends on the AP penetration of my opponent, but then I would de- really ensure that either the Scouts or the um, space Marines are in cover. and I think as long as you're doing that, you need to get across the table as fast as you possibly can, um, yeah and I'd be depending on your opponent's shooting capacity, not too worried about whether I can be seen or not. Um, and actually, these kind of bricks can you know operate quite independently, I think, because they've got a good combat base where they don't really need support from any other units. There's no auras you can be affected from. So for me, frontline it and get across that table as quick as you can. It plays very much like World Eaters in that respect.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, and that was something we missed is, um, I mean, for those few people out there that haven't dealt with Black Templars before, the Crusader squads are still mixed, or if you have and you, you were wondering if it changed, Crusader squads are still mixed Stat lines are the same except that the Neophytes have a four up save and the rest of the models and squad have a three up save. Mm-hmm. So and that's for the primaris and the regular Crusader squad. So just yeah. want to point that out for everybody listening. Um so it's much like it has been in, in prior editions. Yeah. So all right. Um, I think we covered it. Do Black Templars sound like they're going to be a an interesting um puzzle to solve uh for players and opponents on the table. So I'm looking forward to seeing them at tournaments. Um it's not my playstyle, but I, I can see I'd certainly know some people whose style it is. You you mean like mine? Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. I'm I love the combat ships. phase, so um I'm all over it. Yeah. Yeah. I've uh, certainly got myself ready, a new Sigismund ready to be Memphis champion. So uh
0: yeah. I'm oh, definitely yeah?
1: gonna be doing some Black Templars, I think, yeah. Sweet.
0: So which one? Uh well we'll talk about that later. All right. Um for now. Uh, let's move on and let's go to a battle ready segment, uh, with, uh, James from siege studios, James, welcome back. Um, I have a question for you this week. Um, one of the great, um, hobby painting questions of all time. Um, what is a good recipe uh, or process for painting skin and faces?
2: Amazing. Yeah, well, look, skin and faces are uh, really important when it comes to miniatures because you're trying to emulate something that you see day in, day out. Your friends, family, co-workers, whatever the case may be, you're, you're around and you see skin all day long. So um, first things first is real life reference. Like, You should definitely, definitely have a folder on your phone of real life reference for loads of things. So skin, like weathering, all these different things. You should have lots of photos of real life reference for things that you're going to be trying to emulate if they're real in real life. And even with things like, for example, Tyranids or aliens or creatures like that, you can look at scorpions and spiders and things and take reference and frogs and things like that. Skin as an overall, um, you can do it two ways. They, all of us have watched uh, and have grown up on probably watching sort of like tutorial videos from maybe Games Workshop or looking in White Dwarf magazines or maybe looking in other uh, magazines or video platforms, obviously, to see uh, ways of doing skin. Starting, starting dark is uh, layering up it means you're putting way more paint onto the surface of that miniature. Whereas if you flip it around the other way and start light or just just slightly more darker than your brightest highlight stages, it allows you to then incrementally place the shadows where they need to be on that face or body or whatever the case may be to then subtly add the shadows in so you don't put too much onto the model. Especially with like faces, they have very, very tiny details that are quite intricate. And when you're Starting dark and layering up and up and up and up with each of the incremental highlight stages from a dark point is going to take way more paint to get to the brightest point. Whereas if you just start way brighter and subtly add the shadows into the recesses and shadowed areas, you're going to have much thinner paint on the surface of the miniature. And also the details are going to be more prominent and be more visible. And then all you have to do once you've set in almost like a slightly higher than a midtone, block it in with that then do various levels of shading down to the darkest points on the face and then do your final one or two highlight stages, you're going to have way more scope to add massive contrast on the surface of the miniature as in like areas of the face that clearly are recessed, that clearly are shadowed and areas that are clearly catching the face and clearly sort of brighter. But if you start super dark and work all the way up you're just going to end up putting so much paint on the surface of the miniature and it will detract from the finished quality of the piece whereas if you start as i said slightly brighter or considerably brighter it's going to be a lot thinner all the paint that you need to put on to create the shadows and you won't need to go in and paint so many highlight stages as well so that's a that's the best thing i would suggest when it comes to lighting i'd always recommend doing a light source from around about 90 degree angle purely because uh the sun is super high in the sky and for a face only the most prominent details like the bridge of the nose, the end of the nose, the tops of the ears, maybe the odd cheek would catch the brightest part of that of that light from directly above. That is in general ambient lighting. If you are in a cave with a torch, then the face is going to be completely lit differently. If the, if the fire or the flaming branch is in front of the person, then the lighting effect is going to be way more concentrated to the center and to the front of the, of the face and shadowed way more around the side. You have to take environment into consideration. You have to take where the light is being angled from into consideration when it comes to lighting a face. But generally speaking, doing doing the technique that we've talked about previously, which is obviously like pin shading, um, pin shading all all the shadows onto a brighter face is gonna give you a much smoother, more controlled execution and also a way more detailed face that's visibly recognizable. And that's one of the most important things. It's making sure that when you look at that model and you see that it has flesh or a bare face, that you can read it as well as possible because believe it or not, you will, it, it, just through how you, you know humans are, you instantly recognize faces because you've seen them since you were a baby and that's one of the first things you properly recognize as a face. So when you see a face on a 28mm model or even a bust, 75mm, whatever, it's going to be one of the first things that you look at. So just trying to be as neat, sharp, refined, smooth whilst starting a lot lighter and having shadows to suit and then the final highlight stages will will give you an overall much better, higher refined finish.
0: Cool. I just noticed while looking at the, the up in the corner of my screen is, you know, I, is my face while we were doing this on video, and I just realized because I was working in the yard this morning, I have a sunburn right on the top of my forehead and right on the bridge of my nose, and it's literally a an outline for where the the light was hitting my face. <laughs>
2: exactly exactly yeah if you don't want to do all this stuff
0: that james is is teaching you you don't want to sign up for his classes just go out and get a sunburn and then look at yourself in the mirror that will (laughs) also help you find your highlights apparently
2: that's that's a very i I need to use that as a reference on the next
0: class (laughs) (laughs) um so uh so last question with with painting skin and faces when you're doing them do you um normally advocate or when you're doing it yourself do you just keep the head off the model and paint it separately yeah, or do you wait
2: te- and put the whole model together? No, because the faces are so important, I do definitely do them separately. So they will be something that is that is, is kept separate. Um, now, if you've got a model that has a cast head, as in it's like joined to the model, um, here's a really good little tip for you just to make sure that you can do do it. If you're using an airbrush to, to paint the skin on, um, get a hole punch and hole punch the corner of a page of A4 uh, and make a little bib. And that whole punch hole will fit perfectly over most 28 millimeter heads. And you can make it this amazing bib that goes over the model where you can airbrush all the skin, skin work on all the different stages of highlighting for the skin. Um, and then it won't catch the model and just tidy up around the neck. So that's a a good little tip for you all. Cool. Awesome.
0: All right. Thanks James. I will talk to you next week and hopefully, um, the aloe will have worked on my sunburn by then. (laughs) See you next week. (laughs) Later on. All right. We are back. Uh, as I have mentioned in previous episodes, uh, we're not going to do rules layer yet uh, or, or phase of the week stuff yet because obviously we want to wait until 10th uh, officially drops and everybody's got access to all that stuff. Uh, and we get some games. Everybody gets games under their belt so they can have those good 10th edition questions out. Uh, so for now, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for giving us your time and your attention. We're certainly excited to be back and talking about all these uh, 10th edition indices. Uh, next episode, uh, what faction are we going to do, Steve? I don't know. You pick. Okay. Well? I guess it'll be a surprise for everybody. Yeah. I I want to get into Necrons, but I also obviously want to talk about Votan. Uh, Necrons look interesting to me, but we'll we'll. Uh, I guess it'll just be a surprise to everybody. So, uh, whatever it's going to be. Until then, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dave Calmel for Stephen Box saying, "A king may move a man, a father may claim a son, but remember that even when those who move you be kings or men of power, your soul is in your keeping alone." When you stand before God, you cannot say, but I was told by others to do thus," or that virtue was not convenient at the time. This will not suffice. Remember that. And have a great week. See you later, everyone.